This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to the preseason pods for year three of Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. AJ, we're now to the point where training camps have opened up this week for all the teams, and the exhibition schedules are underway. I'm really pumped, and I know you are as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to have uh, have that going a little bit and have the, the season kicked off. You know, not having hockey for, for several months is, is a bit tough on all of us, but, you know, we're, we're right around the corner and uh, glad to have at least some preseason action to, uh, you know, tide us over until October. Well, today we bring our listeners a special treat, a third voice on this week's podcast, that, that of a seasoned broadcaster and athlete actually was carved out a very nice career in the WWE, as wrestling fans are undoubtedly aware. We welcome Matthew Kay, who is also known in the WWE as Matt Stryker, to today's podcast, where we present our third of these preseason divisional previews and continue our trip around the NHL and Metro Division. And Matt's a, uh, a big fan of the Metro Division, so we welcome you aboard, Matt. You can follow Matthew K on Twitter at Matt underscore Striker underscore Matt. Welcome aboard, pal. Oh, thanks for having me. Like AJ said, it's so great to have hockey back. I have a smile ear to ear. I'm excited for the fantasy season and the uh, NHL season as well. Beautiful. Well, gents, before we get into this preview, we have another couple of significant trades and even an off-ice move to dissect. So a good way to have a bit of a roundtable today. The first of these deals, a bit of a minor one, but I know it hits close to home for Matthew, uh, who is a Rangers fan, I I think. And it's going to be a rough year for you, pal, in that regard. (laughs) But in any case... The, the Blue Shirts have acquired veteran defenseman Adam McQuaid, who ha- carries with him a $2.75 million cap hit expiring at the end of this season from Boston in exchange for death defenseman Stephen Kampfer, who's on an expiring 650000 cap cap hit himself. So there's a savings there. But there's also a couple of draft picks thrown in here. Matt, uh, I'll throw it to you. What do you think about this deal? Well, this brings something to the Rangers that they desperately needed last season, and that's grit and heart 
Um, I mean, he's not going to be a Dave Semenko type, but he will make other teams think before they take a run at some of these young kids. He's a veteran going into his 11th season. I do believe he's a UFA next year. So for this season, he provides some protection. But fantasy-wise, I don't think he moves the needle. And uh, AJ, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything Matt said. I I think it's a solid deal, really, for both sides. Uh, You know, Boston... Uh, gets you know some some extra stuff here. Uh, Rangers get some veteran leadership, and as Matt alluded to, it's a pretty young club right now as they're going through you know rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so overall, I think it's a good. For my part, I I like what the uh, Bruins did here. They dumped a salary, they saved about two million dollars on the cap, and uh, they picked up a couple of assets. You you would like to see these kind of deals to give a chance to a guy to extend his career. That's what the Rangers are doing here with McQuaid. Certainly, I like the protection aspect that that Matt alluded to, but uh, I'm a little worried about his injury history here. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, in a separate deal, the Ottawa Senators uh, finally decided to move Eric Carlson. We're going to have some fun with this one, I think, guys, uh, hashing this one out. <laughs> he was dealt along with a former seventh-round pick, Francis Perron, to San Jose in exchange for forwards Chris Tierney, defenseman D- Dylan DeMello, uh, Rudolph Balsers, a prospect from the 19, uh, 2017 draft, Josh Norris, and a pair of conditional picks, a second in 2019, and a first in 2020. AJ, let's start with you. I don't think, for my part, Ottawa got nearly enough, but I wonder if you agree. No, I mean, overall, uh, it's what they were going to get, right? You know, the the problem with Ottawa, in my opinion, and, and they clearly indicated this by some of the terms of these conditions, is that they basically refused to trade with anybody in the Eastern Conference. And if Carlson ends up on an Eastern Conference team, they get an additional pick uh, from San Jose. And so you're looking at half the clubs. So, you know, who's going to be able to offer anything close to what, you know, his value is. And so did they do the best they could? I think so. Chris Tierney will play this year. Uh, I think he'll help their squad, uh, immediately. I do really like Balsers. I think he's going to be a nice long-term addition to the club. And then Dylan DeMello, uh, you know, he'll take on a bigger role this year. I think, uh, he was that kind of fifth, sixth, uh, sometimes even seventh defenseman uh, for the Sharks last year. And so he'll take on, I think, probably a second pairing role this time around. So they do get some solid pieces. I think when you consider that they're only negotiating with half the league, uh, they got what they could, obviously. Uh, from San Jose's side, I don't think there's any argument. Uh, if I asked anybody to name the top three defensemen in the league, you're going to say Burns, Carlson and Victor Hedman, uh, how those three shake out, I think, is where you can discuss. But I think they're clearly the top three. And now San Jose has got two of them. And uh, Matt, your thoughts on this one? Well, from a fantasy perspective, I agree 100% with AJ. I, I, it makes even guys like like Mark Edward Vlasic fantasy viable now. Could you imagine if you're sitting at your draft table and you're able to get Bernsey and Carlson? I, I mean, that power play alone, I think you leave them out there for the whole two minutes and just watch your, your stats go up. Sadly, on the flip side... I think this is the beginning of Ottawa's demise. Uh, the phone is ringing and it's a 418 area code and that's Quebec City calling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unless the 2020 pick turns out to be a Lafreniere or something like that, 
there's just no fantasy viability in Ottawa. I just it I feel bad for Ottawa, but I'm looking at San Jose because everyone has an uptick, at least on my draft boards now, because of this this trade. Yeah, you're right about that. I certainly think that uh, you you raised the issue though that's in the background of all this in Ottawa. There's a lack of corporate sponsorship there, and and they're really teetering on the brink of of the moving trucks coming in here. I do I really believe that. And Matt, you alluded to it, and I do think Quebec City is the alternative that that might ultimately be considered to hope that we as Canadians get that can take, keep that seventh team north of the border. So a, a very good point by you there. Uh, final thing I want to talk about before we get into this this divisional preview is the Anafi story. It might be just as big as as the Carlson trade, in my opinion. It's the the fact that Stevie Eiserman has stepped down as the Tampa GM, I think it's all about a desire to come back to his roots in Motown. I, I wonder how that might ultimately fit in the Wings situation. I do believe that there's a match there down the road, but he's committed to play, uh, finishing out his contract in Tampa this year. But this thing has tentacles, in my opinion. Uh, Matt, I'll throw to you in a sec, but uh, I know we, we could talk about the Detroit angle that's obvious, but his, the assistant now GM that takes over in Tampa is a guy with a French last name, Julian Brisebois, who's been uh, toiling under Eiserman's direction for a couple of years, and he's really the one of the top young executives uh, out there. And I, I think there's a Montreal layer here that preempt, preempted uh, or prompted this move, I should say, that for Tampa to elevate him and uh, keep Montreal away from him because we, we'll get to Montreal's situation next year. It's almost as dire as Ottawa's on the ice. But uh, uh, my question is, why Stevie? Why? And Matt, uh, what do you think about that? I think this is this is curious. It leaves me scratching my head, and I begin to think outside of hockey. Is there a personal issue here? Why just out of nowhere does, does Eiserman step down? I don't think if you're a Tampa fan, you need to worry. I think they're fine and they're built to last. If you are a hockey town guy from Detroit, you're you're just waiting for the prodigal son to come home. Uh, Zetterberg goes away. You, you want to see Stevie back, but it's curious to me. I think there's more to this than we know. And I know, AJ, you floated that idea. You were the first one to say, is there a personal issue here? Uh, I, I haven't heard anything yet, but uh, your two cents on this whole situation. Yeah, I mean, that was my immediate reaction. Um, I honestly wasn't really thinking about, you know, the possibility of the Detroit situation. Um, but I, I do agree with Matt. I think there's something uh, that maybe we're not hearing. Uh, obviously, as you point out, Paul, Tampa probably didn't want to lose Prisbois, uh to Montreal or even another club. Um, if I'm Ken Holland, I would keep my office uh, pretty lightly stocked with personal effects, though, uh, just in case uh, you get that uh, that phone call uh, to report to the owner's office. Yeah. OK, uh, before we kick off the rest of the show, I want to remind listeners, AJ usually takes this part. But if you have any questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try to answer your questions during our next podcast. You can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ Scholes at AJ Scholes24. So uh, we'll begin our look throughout this division and we'll start with Carolina Hurricanes, guys. The salary cap situation is uh, one where they're at the lower end of the board in terms of spending money around the league. So they probably have lots of money that they won't be spending. They're not a team that spent to the top of the cap. And at the end of this season, they're going to have a few pending uh, free agents in, in the, of the UFA variety. Justin Williams, a veteran guy who might just fall off 
their roster completely. He's 36 years of age, carrying a $4.5 million cap hit. But there's some younger guys, including one guy they just picked up in Michael Furland, who's there for a 1.75 cap hit, and Mart- Jordan Martin at 1.8. Uh, and uh, On the defense, they're pretty much locked in. Hayden Fleury's a guy who's a restricted free agent. They expect him to make a bit of a breakthrough on the roster, and maybe it might be at the expense of a guy like a Justin Falk, who might be a movable piece. We can get into that when we talk about the defense. In the Nets, Peter Morazic is a guy pending UFA with a $1.5 million cap hit. Uh, Scott Darling uh, holds the reins on the number one job. 4.15 is his cap hit. Any comments, AJ? Yeah, I just think it's interesting, uh, as you point out. Uh, I think you're right. I think Justin Williams is probably gone. Not that they uh, really need the cap space by, by getting rid of him. Um, but I'd be shocked if he was back with them, although uh, he is uh, you know, kind of the leader uh, in the locker room right now. Uh, Tivo Teravainen is going to have to get paid this off, uh, off season. Same with Sebastian Ajo. I think both those guys can expect uh, pretty significant deals. And then obviously the goaltending situation, uh, Scott Darling, they've kind of hedged, uh, after a disappointing season last year, brought in Peter Mrazek on a pretty discounted deal here, 1.5 million. They'll need to decide next season, whether they're going to try and bring him back. I actually really like, uh, Alex Nettle. Nedeljkovic, uh, if I said that right, uh, a young prospect that they have. He's going to spend most of the season in the minors, but he'll be in RFA next year. Uh, and so that might be the option to kind of move away from Morazic if Darling finally lives up to expectations. All right, well, let's dive into the forwards, guys. I'm going to lead uh, lead uh, our listeners through the line combinations that we project. Uh, on the first line, we see Sebastian Ajo, Jordan Stahl, and Justin Williams as their top unit. I mentioned Michael Ferland in from Calgary to take on a second-line role, and uh, he won't be playing with Victor Rask, who's got a a terrible injury to his hand that's going to keep him out for a while. So the center depth is is one that's going to be lacking when you have to think that Valentin Zikoff and Philip DiGiuseppe were going to be vying for third and fourth uh, slots. They might get second and third, and maybe a guy like a Martin Netzkash, uh, who played in the Czech League as a youngster, that they have high hopes for. Maybe he'll be the one that gets plugged into top six minutes. That's what I'm projecting in any case. But uh, beyond that, it's depth players like Jordan Martinuk and Valentin Zikoff, Warren Fogel. An interesting thing we got to talk about, uh, and I'll throw to you, Matt, to, to hear what you have to think about what Andrei Zvechnikov, a rookie of some repute, he was a high draft pick this past offseason. He might get a real shot here, won't he? Absolutely. Everything I'm reading and everything I'm seeing on this guy, granted he's young, but he's ready to jump in to play top NHL minutes. And I think from a fantasy perspective, I'm all over that. I want the hot young player that everyone else passed by between that. And we'll go into what the defense has. There's some fantasy viability on this club. AJ, why don't you talk about that defense uh, after you give us a comment on the forward side? Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern with this club is I love Jordan Stahl. He was a great soldier for us in in Pittsburgh and a phenomenal third-line center uh, for us for a lot of of years. He's not a first-line center, and they simply just don't have uh, the the depth there. I I think, uh, to your point and Matt's point, Svechnikov is going to be a great addition to this club. I do think Tivo Teravainen can really help them as well. Um, But long-term, there's just not enough 
enough depth down the middle. And I think this team is worse for having gotten rid of Jeff Skinner uh, overall, especially in the forwards. Uh, you look defensively, you've got Calvin DeHaan uh, and Dougie Hamilton, who was part of uh, a different trade move. They brought him in. Uh, Brett Pess, Trevor Rams. Trevor Van Riemsdyk going to make out that uh, second pairing, Jakob Slavin uh, and Justin Falk as, as that third one. And uh, they do have uh, Mikhail Kajewski on the PTO. Uh, he's a KHL player. I think he'll make the club. I would expect. Um, I, I do think Dougie Hamilton is kind of an underrated player. I think playing on the flames, he's kind of flown under the radar. Uh, and so I think he can definitely provide uh, some top scoring options. I think him and DeHaan will work really well together. That's kind of how I see it. Um, but I still overall, uh, I don't like a lot of the offseason moves for this club. I, I think the defensive side of the puck is the strength of this team, guys. And, and uh, it's from there that they're going to be dealing to try and help themselves before the end of the season. I'm predicting that Justin Falk will not wind up the season on this roster and might be the best bargaining chip that they have as one of the top uh, offensive talents that will be available from the blue line standpoint. Uh, Matt, uh, that's the way I see it, but I, I like the the top pairing here. DeHaan is an interesting bringover from the New York Islanders, uh, and he'll pair up with Dougie Hamilton, another new guy, to give them a very uh, unique look on the top pairing with two guys that weren't there last year. Yeah, I'm always on the hunt for value from defensemen because, like we said at the top, after you get past Carlson, Burnsy, and Hedman, it, it kind of dissipates out. So I'm looking at DeHaan and Hamilton maybe in late rounds. I also know that they gave Jakob Slavin, I think, $5 million. They have to know something. So maybe he's an interesting pick. And also, we were talking about, you know, up in the forwards. I just remember last year, Ron Francis and Bill Peters were toying with Ajo at center, even though he's a winger. I'm not so sure what Brenda Moore and new owner Tom Dundon are going to do, but it depends. If Ajo can have dual position eligibility, he also becomes viable. But yes, to your point, the defense is where I'm going if I'm going to draft any Hurricanes in my uh, fantasy lineups. What do you think about their goaltending mix? Uh, Darling certainly looks like to be the number one going in. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's making $4 million, so I don't think that they're just going to throw him away. But if, if if I'm drafting Hurricanes goaltenders, I like Mrazek better than I like Darling, but there are far better options all around the league. And then Nedeljkovic, he's just a depth option, guys. He played a lot in the American Hockey League. He'll be up if if one of these two guys gets hurt. I'm a little nervous about Mrazek. He started very well when he went to Philadelphia last year, didn't he? But he just fell into his... Uh, usual range of an, uh, an ordinary record across the board and i'm not inspired by the goaltending mix here either uh why don't you lead us into the next team there aj yeah so we're gonna take a look at the columbus blue jackets next uh as far as a cap situation goes uh obviously the biggest question mark here uh is sergey Bobrovsky. he's making 7.4 just a little bit over he'll be an unrestricted free agent heading into next season and uh, Artemi Panarin is making $6 million, another unrestricted free agent heading into next season. What's very interesting is the GM basically saying, well, there's no guarantee these guys are going to be on the roster opening night. Uh, I think that one would be a mistake. I don't care what you get back uh, as far as a return. Uh, it's not going to be worth it for trading these guys away. Now, granted, you don't want them to leave for nothing. 
So maybe you wait uh, until trade deadline, see where you're at. If the team's struggling, maybe you consider it then. Um, but there's no way you're going to trade uh, really either one of these guys, but especially Bobrovsky ahead of the season, uh, this you know late uh, into preseason, and actually get some sort of value back on him. Uh, I just I, it was an interesting decision by the by the GM there to make that statement. As far as other guys, uh, you got Sonny Milano, Lucas Sedlak, Alex Broadhurst. Marcus Han- uh, Hanekanen, all those guys kind of depth options, but they're all looking to get uh, you know bigger contracts heading into restricted free agent ne- next season. Anthony Duclair, probably the biggest RFA that they're looking at uh, in the forward grouping. Defensively, obviously, their big payday here is going to be Zach Wierenski. Uh, this is a guy that's absolutely going to get paid in this offseason, but you do have Ryan Murray as well, Scott Harrington uh, you know, sticking around there as well. So there are a lot of unanswered questions for this team heading into next season. Uh, as far as cap room right now, they've got about 56 Uh, And obviously the biggest question will be what they do as far as Bobrovsky goes. And that'll help answer a lot of those uh, restricted free agency questions. When we break into the forward ranks here, I like the look of this team just because they play it big and physical and there's a lot of skill here. Uh, Let's go through the line combinations. First unit will have featured Cam Atkinson, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Artemi Panarin, the aforementioned kind of kingpin of their offense here Boone Jenner a guy who slumped offensively last season and Alex Wenberg here's a guy that I think uh, should have the arrow pointing up as a guy who could have a bit of a breakout circumstance here he's surrounded by uh, the underperforming Jenner who I think will bounce back to and Josh Anderson a bit of an underrated guy on the right wing who uh, is a capable guy in terms of scoring he should threaten the 20 goal mark and so Wenberg I think should really plow through the 35 points that he got uh, last season pretty early in the season the enigma here and i'll throw to matt in a second for his comment uh, is the guy that really could be a key to some success and maybe challenge for top six minutes is anthony duclair and riley nash from the bruins here that's an interesting couple of additions that they brought in to solidify their forward ranks because that it pushes guys like dubinsky and felino to try and get back into their uh, profiles as top six guys there's a lot of competition here for some playing time uh Matt and uh, we, and Sonny Milano is another guy that I think is a prospect that, that people should keep an eye on. So there's a lot of options here, a ton of depth, and I wonder what your opinions here are of the Columbus forwards. I think in this division, uh, along with Pittsburgh, Columbus has the, the largest bounty of fantasy value. All of the forward names that we're listing are names I would not mind having on my fantasy team. I, I liked Duclair and his short time that, that I watched him here in New York. And, and like we said, he's, he's an RFA. I think he's only making under $700,000. He's going to want to get paid, and hopefully that will inspire him. So I just think that there's a lot of good options here, I especially like the guys like Wenberg and Bjorkstrand and even Atkinson, Sonny Milano down the line. So uh, I think Duclair has a place. AJ. Well, for me, uh, I I'm looking, you know, kind of those late round steals uh, guys that maybe you want to monitor throughout camp. And for me, one name that sticks out is uh, Vitelli Abramoff. Now, I'm not sure he's going to make the opening roster, but that's a situation I think you want to pay close attention to. Selected 65th overall in 2016, uh, had 78 points uh, in 40 games in uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League last season. And so this is a guy uh, that is really trending upwards uh, in the right direction. I would not be surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked, I'll say, to to see him make the opening night uh, roster. I think he could provide 
um, some depth scoring. If you're in a dynasty league, this is a guy I snap up as quick as possible and kind of stash him away. Uh, if you're looking at, at more of a redraft or even a small number of keeper leagues, just monitor it throughout camp. Uh, and especially if injuries come up, this is a guy, if he doesn't make the team, that'll be on the short list for call-ups. So that's kind of how uh, how I would see it. Other than that, like like Matt said, everybody on this team is really offers some decent options. Uh, looking defensively, it's a lot more of the same. Uh, Zach Wierenski obviously is going to be, in, in my opinion, the standout here. I, I think I actually like him a little bit better than Seth Jones uh, if I'm picking between the two, although both are solid, viable options. Uh, from there, Ryan Murray, David Savard, uh, definitely a drop-off there, but I think Murray is you know, one guy that can maybe kind of find his game a little bit. I uh, only saw action in 44 games last year, but picked up 12 points. So if he plays a full season, this is a 20, maybe 25 point guy. Uh, depth options, Dean Kukan, Marcus Nutavari, uh, Gabriel Carlson and Scott Harrington. They'll kind of all round out that group and we'll see where that goes. But uh, the top three here for me are definitely guys you want to target. Matt, I have a question for you about this, the way this uh, defense lines up. Uh, preseason calls are for Wierenski and Jones to play together. I'd like to see them uh, split up. And if they do, I think that uh, the pairing of Wierenski and Savard could really uh, juice Savard's uh, value. I think this is a guy who has played significant power play minutes in the past, and his totals for scoring last year were only 16. I think he's got a shot to double those at least, paired up with a guy like Wierenski, who is a high-end option on the blue line. I think if you or I <laughs> were paired with Wierenski, we would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's be honest. But yeah, you make a great point. I don't know about Wierenski's health. Everything I'm reading is saying that uh, November will be when, when he's 100%. So if you slot Savard with Seth Jones, to, to your point again, Savard becomes fantasy viable, even if for a couple of months, if you've stashed an injured player. So yeah, 100%, if you're out there and you're looking for fantasy depth late in your rounds, Savard is someone to keep an eye on. What about the goalie mix here? Obviously, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky is the linchpin, but I'm a little concerned, and I saw this close to home in Toronto where they played the, uh, the starting goalie a little bit too much, I thought, here, and maybe the same thing in Columbus. Uh, I think if they try and find a, a way to back off his games played in the regular season, Jonas Corpusello may have some fantasy value in terms of leagues that value the goaltending side of the puck. Yeah, I'm big into, uh, I guess, the term in, in baseball's handcuffing guys, taking a starter and then taking their backup. Bobrovsky and his you know, over $7 million contract is obviously intriguing. But like you said, if they do want to lighten the workload, then yeah, Corpusalo is going to be a serviceable backup, especially considering the, the defensive options that we spoke about, as well as the fact that this team, even if they're down two goals in the third period, don't count them out. That's the difference between the cream of the crop in the league and then some of these other teams. AJ, you got an opinion here on the goaltending tandem? I, I think it's boom or bust for them. Um, you know, if, if Bobrovsky uh, happens to struggle, this team is is sunk. I, I don't love any of their backups enough to really, um, you know, take take a look at them. Other than, uh, as Matt said, in a handcuff situation. But uh, for me, if, if Bobrovsky gets hurt, uh, I think this team might as well pack it up and look forward to next season. Oh boy, there's a pan job there. 
Up next, the New Jersey Devils, and we look at their salary cap situation, guys. There's a couple of uh, free agents pending here on this roster among the forwards, but I don't think they're going to spend $4.5 million again on Marcus Johansson or $2.75 on a guy like Brian Boyle. So there'll be money to spend on the younger guys. They're going to need to think about locking up Nico Heischer uh, long-term in the near future. And the same goes for Pavel Zaka, who are both on entry-level contracts up front. On the defense, they've got Ben Lovejoy with a $2.6 million cap hit. I'm not sure he repeats that as a 35-year-old guy. So that might afford them the opportunity to lock up a guy like a Will Butcher or a Merka Muller, who are entry-level entry types facing the RFA possibility in the offseason next year. In terms of the goaltending mix, a couple of backups will vie for the role behind Corey Schneider, who's locked up long-term. And the better of Keith Kincaid and Eddie Lack will be the one that gets the look back here, but neither one of them a significant fantasy impact. When we look at the offense of the New Jersey Devils here, that's where I think I can get a little bit excited just because of some of the quality on the in terms of younger players. Taylor Hall had a massive breakout year last year and threatened for MVP consideration around the league all year long. Nico Heischer, a top young uh, youngster, 20 goals, 32 points, 32 assists. That's just the tip of the iceberg for him. Kyle Palmieri, the guy that could really benefit and I think is a guy that deserves an uptick possibility playing on that first line right wing. A bit of a sleeper pick playing with those two guys. Marcus Johansson, an underrated type, only limited to 29 games last year, has a chance to do, do much better than the 14 points he tallied in a full season of play. He's a power play specialist, and when he gets a chance to play with, whether it's Heischer or it's Pavel Zaka, projected number two center, I think he can do very, very well. Jesper Bratt, uh, a possibility for breakout this year, for, in my opinion, too. Uh, that's the top six the way I see it, guys. Uh, Matt, I'll throw to you. Are there uh, players that I've mentioned or players that I've not who might threaten for improved fantasy value in your estimation among the forwards here? No, I think you hit everything right on the uh, on the horns here in New Jersey. I do believe they are missing key pieces. But the question for me is, is Taylor Hall's hand 100 uh, percent? Am I going to draft him right early or am I going to wait and see? It all depends. But, yes, I love Nico Hichier. I like Jesper Bratt and I like uh, Pavel Zatra as well. But I think that Marcus Johansson is someone that, you know, like you mentioned, not to sleep on. He's an RFA and he will be skating with Zatra. So I think that makes that whole entire line somewhat valuable. And watching the preseason stuff yesterday, I saw that uh, John Quenville was out there and he scored a goal. So I don't know if he makes that team or Mike McLeod, but if they do, you can stash those guys for late round uh, valuability as well. And AJ, your comments on the forward ranks. Yeah, I think a lot uh, is going to be determined on when they get Miles Wood to sign uh, a contract. He's a restricted free agent, has not agreed to terms yet, so he's not at camp. Uh, and I think that opens the door for a guy like Drew Stafford, who's become somewhat of a journeyman, to maybe land a spot here. But as Matt said, uh, Quenville, also another uh, viable option. Uh, I think either one of those guys, if they end up on the 23-man the for opening night, you will want to take a look. Uh, might not even have to worry about drafting them, to be perfectly honest, but may uh, want to do like a post-draft pickup on one of those two guys just you know, to kind of give you uh, an additional option if they make the team here. Uh, but like I said, I, I expect the deal get done for Miles Wood, but when I think is the, the big factor and how that impacts his uh, availability at the start of the season and whether either of those other two guys gets a look. Uh, defensively, you've got uh, Andy Green pairing up with Sammy Vatanen, uh, who is dealing with a bit of an injury. But everything I've seen, seen uh, would 
indicate that he's going to be okay. Uh, Will Butcher, uh, a native here of, of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, a great uh, young player, young talent that I think will really have a, a solid breakout year. Uh, not that he had a bad season last year at all. Damon Severson will be his partner. Uh, ben Lovejoy still kicking around there, still hanging on. Uh, Fantasy-wise, this isn't a guy that you're going to take. He really has never been like a big point producer, more of your defensive stalwart. And then uh, Miko Mueller and Steve Santini, I think, will flip pretty regularly. Again, you're not going to get a ton of value. For me, I'm really just looking at Vatnin and Butcher uh, for this club, maybe Damon Severson. But that's about it in terms of like fantasy options on this blue line. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Uh, I, th- I think that Severson is the underrated guy here. Matt, unless you see it differently, I agree with what AJ said. And I agree too, and obviously so do the Devils. They're giving him four million every year. So, but uh, yeah, outside of Will Butcher, I'm not even looking at New Jersey for any defensive fantasy value. How about the goalie mix here, Matt? What do you think of it? Well, originally it was a scary deal, but I just read that Corey Schneider, coming off of a hip injury, has been working out with Roly Milan, so I think is huge if you're a Devils fan and you're looking for goaltending value from them because if this team started the season with with Keith Kincaid as their number one, again, there are plenty of other places to look for goaltender value. So if Corey Schneider's healthy, then then he's definitely a, a fantasy value. Yeah, I think the goaltending split will see Schneider carry the biggest part of the load. He only played 40 games last year, so he'll need to do at least 50-55, I think, in order for the the best possible outcome for the Devils here. Kincaid proved himself to be a bit of a capable backup when called upon from time to time. And Eddie Lack is a bit of veteran insurance, but his best days are behind him. So like you guys, I agree that Corey Schneider's the guy that, that has to carry the mail here. In terms of the, the next club up, it's the Islanders, A.J., yeah, so for uh, for the Islanders, obviously a big, big shift here from last season. John Tavares is gone. Uh, and so uh, this is a club that, you know, was kind of, I, I think they were so focused on that. They maybe haven't paid attention to the rest of the roster, at least when you look at it from a cap perspective. Uh, you've got Jordan Eberle going to be a UFA next year. Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, uh, the um, Valtteri Filpula, although they probably won't re-sign him. Jan Kovar, their they're, uh, kind of untested guy there. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. So there's a, a lot of pieces here uh, that will have to get figured out next season. Uh, not a ton of restricted free agents that they have to worry about. Uh, Anthony uh, Bilaver uh, is the only one here that uh, will have to have that figured out next season. Matthew Barzal is got one more year on his entry level deal, but they may consider extending him to a long-term contract from there. Uh, and then of course you've got, uh, in the nets, Grice is locked up for one more year at, at 3.3. And they've got Robin Lerner sitting there at 1.5, just on this year's contract. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit more, but with the, the low costs that they're playing Grice, uh, you may see Lerner get uh, a, a bigger share of the, the nets here heading into the season. In terms of the forward ranks here, uh, Matthew Barzal will now carry the flag as the number one center, uh, and he won't be insulated by having John Tavares there, so he's going to face tougher checking. I think he's going to see a bit of a downtick in terms of his point total as a result. He was a point-a-game guy last year. I'm not seeing that happening again. Uh, 
That, that said, though, I like Anthony Beauvillier on the left wing as a possible breakout candidate. He only compiled 36 points last year. I think he's got to do better than that, and he will partner with Barzell and Eberle. In terms of a second unit, a guy that's another big loser in terms of what he did last year and what might happen this year is Anders Lee, who played on Tavares' flank and got 40 goals. I don't think there's any chance he approaches that this year. That said, uh, Brock Nelson is a guy who may be the fellow that's ticketed to take top six minutes and be that, be that second center. He showed flashes of, of uh, excellence in, in his young career, but he's also shown a lot of downtime and long slumps here, so I'm a little nervous about him. Josh Bailey, the other guy on the, on the former Tavares line, 71 points last year. I don't think he gets anywhere near that, so I'm panning a few of the forwards here. Uh, beyond that, it's ve- veterans like Phil Pulla and Ladd. Matt Martin rejoins Casey Zekas and Cal Clutterbeck as one of the, the loudest lines in the league. I think they're going to be rattling boards around the NHL all year long. <laughs> and right behind them, Leo Komarov, another guy who will help the banging ar- around in terms of the physical play. So this is a team that might lead the league in hits offensively, but I think there's a couple of arrows going down here, Matt. Yeah, sadly, the best additions for this club have no fantasy value. It comes in the front office. It's Barry Trotz. It's goalie coach Mitch Korn. And knowing Lou Lamarillo, I can see them eyeing a lottery spot. They grabbed a kid named Oliver Wallstrom in a previous draft. Everyone knows that Jack Hughes is coming. Imagine adding that to Barzal and Beauvier and maybe a Lafreniere. They move into a new building in 2021. I think that's what you're looking at as an Islander fan. Yes, Jordan Eberle and Brock Nelson as UFAs are intriguing. Joshua Hosang may also be intriguing, but there's just not a lot here from from fantasy perspective, in my opinion. On the defensive side of the puck, AJ, what do you think? Yeah, I will throw one forward name. I actually do really like Jan Kovar uh, as a as a kind of sneaky option. Uh, has put up solid numbers over in the KHL. Obviously, has to make that transition. Um, but I, I think if he can adjust, uh, this is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. I would give it a week or two uh, to kind of see what his role is, how he's fitting in. Um, probably not drafting him unless I'm in a very deep league. Uh, but as far as, you know, players to watch in the early part of the season, that's the guy for me. Um, that might be the only player uh, that I target anywhere on this team, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. I think Matt hit the nail on the head with the Fords uh, really having a lot of question marks. And the fact, as you alluded to, Paul, there's not going to be John Tavares to pick everybody up defensively. Nick Letty, Johnny Boychuk, I, I don't see a lot of production out, coming out of them. Maybe Letty, uh, Thomas Hickey, Ryan Pulak. Again, these are guys that will maybe add some middling stats, but overall, uh, I don't see them really producing at a high level, especially if the forwards are, have dropped off, which I definitely think they have. Adam Pellich and Scott Mayfield rounding out the, the last one. Uh, the player to watch for me uh, is Luca Spisa on the, on the PTO here. If he makes the team, he might be one of their best options. He had 14 points in 30 games last year and might be uh, the most offensively viable blue liner that they have. Matt, I want to ask you about Nick Letty. This guy had 42 points last year, but a minus 42 as well. Does he have fantasy value for you? If you're in a league that rewards players that have a minus, no, <laughs> not not at all. And uh, not just because I'm a Rangers fan either. There's just, like I said, getting fantasy value out of defensemen is to me the difference between winning your league and coming in fourth or fifth. I don't think you're going to get anyone that's going to change the game from, from the Islanders' blue line. 
And you might not from the goaltending mix, Matt. Uh, Thomas Grice, a guy who's emerged from the ranks of backups around the league, he's going to have to hold off a challenge from Robin Leonard. But I think Robin Leonard has done himself a disservice over the last couple of years, revealing the fact that mentally he's he's got a short fuse in the nets and it hasn't served him very well. Yeah, uh, to some, he could be the, the emotional feel-good pick. Uh, I was one of the guys that was on Lanier last year, and, and he definitely let me down. And with that defense in front, it's just it's you won't get anything out of those goaltenders unless you need a waiver wire pickup for a game or two. Honestly, I don't even think they have any daily fantasy viability. I'm sorry to be so negative, but there's just not a lot going on with the Islanders. AJ, you have a final comment on the Islanders' net-minding situation. Yeah, I mean, kudos to Lerner for for opening up about everything going on with with him with the the bipolar disorder and and uh, struggles with alcoholism. I, I think it's great for him to kind of come forward because I do think uh, it kind of you know pulls back the curtain on everything we've seen on the ice about him, kind of having this loose cannon uh, kind of uh, persona, I think it, you know, makes uh, what we're seeing on the ice make a little more sense. So um, kudos to him for that. But as far as, you know, viability here uh, to, to Matt's point, if they're not playing, you know, Arizona or, uh, you know, Vancouver, uh, I agree. I don't really see a whole lot of even daily uh, viability from either of these guys. And I definitely would shy away from Grice because I don't think he'll be uh, the starter by the end of the season. All right, up next, it's the New York Rangers. And Matt, I don't want you jumping through the screen here at me when I talk about some of the players <laughs> on this team. I don't expect much from this club all year. They're in rebuild mode. And nothing says that more than some of the contracts that are coming due. There's no fewer than four uh, pending UFAs on the list. Some of them are really fringe players like Peter Holland and Cody McLeod. But up at near the top, Kevin Hayes will present an interesting case for them. I don't think he's going to get $5 million again, uh, so he'll take a bit of a haircut. But Matt Zuccarello projects to be one of their leading scorers here at 31 years of age at $4.5 million. That's going to be an interesting negotiation, I think. wonder which way that number is going to go. McQuaid's number is going to drop off uh, at the end of the season. I don't see them maybe not even re-signing him uh, based on the fact that he's injured, uh, as I said he was. But a couple of youngsters here bear some note, noting, and that's Rob O'Gara and Anthony D'Angelo, who they acquired from the Arizona uh, about a year ago. They're both restricted free agents, and I could see both of them factoring into the growth of this team going forward so they'll need to be re-signed on in the goaltending they have a big ticket in the nets and Henrik Lundqvist there's a couple of teams around the league that really have spent a lot of money in the nets and, and New York is one of them how can you not reward King Henrik for what he's done but that 8.5 million dollars is a bit of an albatross now given the fact that the rest of this team is, is left wanting a guy that's an, a top prospect going forward Marek Mazanek is, uh, is uh, the next in line in the goaltending ranks there, I think. And he's on an entry-level deal, $650,000. If they think they've got something here, this guy better show it sooner rather than later. Otherwise, there's some fellas chomping at the bit in the wings. So let's get to this roster and talk about the depth of this team, beginning with the forwards. Uh, my, my thinking is that Chris Kreider is a guy who could have a bit of a breakout season. I love the speed and, and the size that this guy brings to the table, fellas. Paired with Mika Zibanejad, one of the better playmakers around uh, the center ranks that they have there. I think that could be a nice one-two. And Matt Zuccarello, I already said, I think he's going to be the leading scorer here. 
Beyond that, Ryan Spooner, Vladimir, Vladislav Nemesnikov, and Pavel Buknevich, another guy on the right wing who I think could have a nice year. He had 43 points last year. I think he has a chance to do better than that this year. That's my picks on the top two lines. Jimmy Vesey may be a guy who challenges. Uh, remember, he was highly regarded out of college ranks, and a lot of teams went after him. The Rangers won that. But I don't know if they got the bang for the buck yet out of him. Uh, that's the way I see this team at the top end. Matt, uh, tell me what you think. Well, <laughs> I think this is the Jack Hughes sweepstakes, and, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, I think the interesting thing is behind the bench, Dave Quinn comes in, and he brings a, a Boston University pedigree. And the fans that know the Rangers' college history, they'll know that Kreider, Hayes, and Vizi all played at colleges in Boston, uh, Boston College and Harvard, respectively. So it'll be interesting to see how that system or that mentality plays out. Hayes is playing on a one-year deal, and like you said, I don't think he's going to get that money any anywhere else. Um, dare I blaspheme to say that Zuccarello and maybe even Lundqvist get dealt for some big draft picks. I, I know, I know, but, but the Rangers have, and we'll get to the goaltending. You know, they have a, a kid over in St. Petersburg in the KHL that they believe might be the future. Add that to uh, Leas Anderson and Philip Heedle, and the Rangers are looking at the future. Uh, watching yesterday's preseason game, a sleeper pick for fans out there is Pavel Bushkevich. They call him Butchie. He's a big boy, and he was very involved with the power play, as was Anthony D'Angelo. So um, there, there's some options here. AJ, your forwards comment, and then lead us into the defense. Yeah, I think Matt kind of hit the nail on the head here. Uh, Hedl is is the kind of uh, sleeper pick, I think, on this team as far as the forward goes. I do like uh, Jasper Fast. Uh, I actually think... It, you know, when I look at this team, yeah, there's a few holes here or there, um, but this actually might be a team that's going to be better than we think. Uh, I, I like a lot of their Stop forward guys. Stop sucking up to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I think they're going to be better. Now, is this a playoff team? I don't think so by, by any stretch, but uh, they may find themselves uh, further down uh, the list in terms of the, the draft lottery, in my opinion. And, and part of the reason that there's still going to be questions on this is the defense here. You got Brady Skay and Anthony uh, D'Angelo who are going to lead uh, the group. It looks like I think both these guys uh, can offer decent mid-range value, but they're not going to be blow off the doors kind of players. Uh, Mark Stahl is a defensive guy. <laughs> You'll be lucky if he hits 10 points. Uh, obviously, Kevin Shattenkirk uh, will be a factor here. Uh, his health it continues to be a question, and so I would avoid him uh, pretty strongly. Uh, from there, you've got a bunch of kind of untested guys. Uh, uh, Neil Pionk, uh, Frederick Clayson, Rob O'Gara, all these guys will factor in here. And then obviously the addition of Adam McQuaid, where he slots in. Uh, so for me, there's just not a lot of fantasy options here. And I, when I look at this team, it's the defense, I think, that holds them back more than the forwards. Uh, so if I'm drafting from the Rangers, uh, I'll look at that forward group well before I would look at the defensemen. Uh, I might avoid these blue liners entirely. Like I said, Sh uh, Shattenkirk is really the, the injury kind of question mark and, and how healthy can he stay? And Matt, let's put that question to you. If he's healthy, how many points do you think we can get out of Shattenkirk? I'm actually, I'm pushing back. I'm incredibly excited for Kevin Shattenkirk. I want him to be healthy. And if he does get injured, AJ, I'm coming after you because you, you put the voodoo <laughs> on him. Uh, a, a lot of Ranger fans also are, are excited about Brady Shea. Uh, I think Kevin, Kevin Shattenkirk can have a... Uh, 
I think he could be in the top third of defensive point production at the end of the season should he stay healthy and should the power play click. Yeah, this might be a situation, too, where I call for splitting up the two offensive uh, linchpins of this blue line. Shea, for his part, I think he has that in him as well. So I'd like to see them keep these two apart in terms of the offensive side of the game and maybe lacking defensively. So maybe Mark Stahl with Shattenkirk and Shea with D'Angelo is uh, the pairings that we might project going forward. In terms of the net mining situation, King Henrik holds the Ford again. But uh, I want to get to Matt quickly. I want to hear what you have to say about Alexander Georgiev. He's the guy that you were talking about from the, the, uh, with the background in the USSR, I think. Well, Georgiev played well yesterday. I was alluding to Igor Shestyorkin, oh, okay. who plays in Petersburg. And I know he's a couple of years away, but internally in the organization, everything I read here in New York is that's where they're looking. So if you can send Hank somewhere come trade deadline and get a good first-round pick – you start to do what Chicago did in years past, what Pittsburgh did under Mario Lemieux, what what, what uh, Buffalo looks to be doing, and that's build young players. You need four or five young core guys to make a cup run in this league. But uh, I do like Gorgiev because of what I saw yesterday. It's it's one day. And I like Russian goaltenders. I always have since the days of, of Trenchak before I was even knowing what was going on. But yeah, Shestyorkin is the guy that people might be looking at in two, three seasons. Okay, there's a dark horse name for us. AJ, your thoughts on the goaltending mix here, and then you can start us in on the Flyers. Yeah, I think Matt makes a great point as far as trading uh, Henrik away. I, I believe I said it last year. We'll have to go back and listen to some of the pods, but he is the biggest trade chip that they have. Uh, probably would have to go to a team that picks up, you know, a competitive team that picks up an injury uh, is likely where he's going to go. And I think Merrick Mazinek could hold the fort for them long enough the rest of the year. Uh, it wouldn't be a podcast episode if I didn't mention a guy who played for AHL Milwaukee. Uh, his time there, I thought he was great. <laughs> great um has seen seen limited action with the predators uh getting you know occasional call-ups 31 games uh you know not not an outstanding record but what i see on the ice uh it shows me enough that if they felt uh the the offer was right to move henrique uh, then I think they have a guy here that can hold down the fort for, for a little bit and give them some time uh, until some of these younger guys are ready. I mean, let's not forget, they also have uh, Brandon Halverson uh, in the system uh, who could compete for a role. Dustin Tokarski, probably not really going to compete, but he is there uh, and is another option here. So they have a really deep uh, goaltending system. Uh, heading into, you know, cap numbers for uh, that other team from Pennsylvania. Uh, you're looking at uh, Jory Laterra is going to be uh, probably uh, your biggest, uh, maybe second biggest uh, unrestricted free agent. Wayne Simmons as well. Uh, whether those guys can uh, see upticks, you know, Laterra's making 4.7. I would expect that to go down. Wayne Simmons is 3.9. That'll probably creep up. Uh, Michael Raffle is an unrestricted free agent. Jordan Wheel, that's a guy that will definitely see a big uptick. He's making 1.75 this year. I would expect him to fall in that $4 million range, somewhere around there. Uh, and then as far as, you know, the other big ticket item, uh, Travis Konechny, restricted free agent next season. Uh, he will also get pr a pretty big pay raise. Ivan Provrov and Travis Sanheim will be guys that will also uh, get looks here as well. And then obviously the biggest question that they have to answer, and it seems like you say this every year when you talk about the Flyers, is what's going on in goal. You've got Brian Elliott and Mike Michael Newverth kind of competing. 
uh, for that starting spot, both guys under $3 million. I mean, we just talked about how the Rangers are paying Henry $8.5 million. You've got the Flyers paying their goaltenders a combined $5.25 million. Uh, so how that shakes out, I think one of those guys will be gone for sure. Uh, Hart is the the goaltender of the future for them. Uh, and I think that'll be kind of uh, what you see in terms of, uh, you know, cap money this upcoming season. Let's take a look at the forward ranks here, guys. The top line became one of the most explosive in hockey last year with the return to form of Claude Giroux topping the 100-point mark. I think he'll be hard-pressed to do that, but not to say a a big fall-off is expected, in my opinion. The guy that really benefited the most and was one of the top breakouts last year was Sean Couturier. We can expect him to be in the 70-point range again. Jakub Voracek played in the shadow of Claude Giroux for a while, but now we know that he's one of the better forwards around the NHL and certainly a high-end guy who can do it on his own too and maybe if they split up those two guys on the wings you can strengthen the second unit which right now features the likes of Michael Raffle Nolan Patrick a guy who I think is poised for a breakout year was a rookie last season had 30 points I think you can expect him to almost get to the 50 point mark I I would say this year and Travis connecting had a bit of a breakout last year he should be right around the 50 point mark again the new addition here that has them excited is uh, bringing JVR James Van Riemsdyk back to the fold he got 36 goals with the Leafs, 18 assists. He's going to have that kind of a Cy Young number to him again this season, but I don't think we can expect 36 goals. He is a power play specialist that will help this remain one of the top power play teams in the league. Oscar Lindblom is another potential breakout candidate for me, uh, maybe vying, pushing Nolan Patrick and Couturier at center for minutes. Uh, I think Lindblom's that good, and, and they have good depth at the center position. Wayne Simmons is a guy I don't think that people value highly enough, in my opinion. This guy plays it big, plays it tough, and has a nice touch around the net. He and Van Riemsdyk should be uh, higher than third-line projections on most teams, but there's a lot of depth here on the wings in Philadelphia. Matt, uh, what say you about this team? I think the addition of JVR is, is just good for the room overall. It's, it's just good for the, mor- the morality of the team. I agree with you. Uh, 100% about Nolan Patrick. I'm all over him this year. I also like Michael Raffle. Uh, Wayne Simmons, if you're in a league that rewards Pims, then by all means go and get him. But if you're in a league that is is negative or takes points away for Pims, then, then you stay away from a guy like Wayne Simmons. I do like Oscar Lindbaum as well. I don't know how healthy Sean Couturier is. Obviously, if Jacob Voracek is sitting there and you have an opportunity to draft him, do so. Uh, I think Jeruzzi, I mean, can he put up 40 goals? That's a big question mark. But uh, there, there's a lot of options here in that uh, other team from the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> AJ. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think there's there's value at the top here, uh, obviously, for this club. I, I don't think there's a ton of what I would really label sleepers here uh, for, for the Flyers. You're going to get what you're going to get out of each one of these guys uh, that you pretty much can expect right around uh, what you guys have mentioned for their production. Nolan Patrick, obviously, is is the big ticket uh, guy here for this club uh you know some people may overpay for jbr i agree i don't think 36 goals is, is obtainable for him this year uh probably still could do 20 though so i mean like i said there's not really any sleepers uh or anything uh that'll leave you you know scratching your head here 
defensively, it obviously starts and starts uh, starts and stops rather with Shane Gostas Bear. Uh, he's poised to have another big year. Uh, Ivan Provorov is is trending towards being his his partner here. Uh, Kristen Fullen and Travis Sanheim looking like the second group. Both these guys, I would guess, maybe 20 points max, and that's probably a stretch. Uh, Robert Haig and Ratko Gudis are going to round out your last one. I think Gudis could uh, add some kind of mid-range value here. I think he can creep up uh, 25, 30, uh, not, again, not going to blow the doors off. And obviously the health of Andrew McDonald is a big factor here. And Zach Palmquist is actually uh, another guy that I would kind of monitor and camp whether or not uh, he earns a, a full deal here, I'm expecting probably not. Uh, if you know, if McDonald, it, it sounds like he's ahead of schedule. But if you look at uh, you know Palmquist numbers in the minors, uh, 34 points last year, 21 the year before, and so this is a guy I think can add some uh, some sneaky value here if he can make the team. Matt, I agree with AJ's assessment that the top end of the defense here is where the action is in terms of possibilities and Gostaspare and Provorov beyond that, it's a big drop off. I don't see any fantasy value beyond the top pairing offensively. That's not to pan this group as a whole. I think there's a lot of talent uh, uh, on this roster and it doesn't stop at the forward uh, ranks. I, I like the depth that they have here on the blue line. Foline adds to that in terms of uh, defensive acumen, but really fantasy value in Gostas Bear. People are going to op- overpay for a guy who got 65 points and for a team that added J- JVR to a depth offensively. Provorov is maybe, maybe where there's some upside here, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. And just uh, as a former teacher, I have to correct myself. I said JVR is good for the morality of the room. I meant he's good for the morale. I'm sure all the boys in Philly are ethical young men. Uh, yes, I, uh, I agree with you as far as Provorov goes, and I think he's going to want to get paid. Uh, it's interesting on, on Ghost, on Ghost here, because a lot of people say, oh, overrated. Others say, I don't know, ready to break out. So if you are looking for fantasy value on the blue line in depth in later rounds and Ghost is sitting there, take him the interesting thing to me about christian foline is he's a right-handed shot and that's something that that this team was missing last season so depending on how they structure their plays and things like that he might be viable as a last round guy if you're desperate i'll say this and it might not be the way to go there have been times where i've left the defensive slot open in a lot of my leagues because defensemen don't give me points i'll carry a fourth or fifth goalie and just leave that d slot open so th- there's some strategy for you <laughs> interesting thought there on on uh the the weekly games the head-to-head games i think you're talking about there more than the dfs but we have to address those as well uh, in terms of the goalie mix here matt uh, brian elliott's not a guy that's inspired uh, aj or myself in fact the entire philadelphia golden situation has been murky for ever since the late Pelly Lindbergh, I'll say. So it's been a long time in my history that I've been talking about the murky nature of the Philly goaltending. Has that changed at all with the outlook this season? Uh, Bob, Bob Froze might take exception with what you're saying. Uh, no, I, I like Brian Elliott. I liked him in St. Louis. And I also used Neuverth back and forth last season, although sometimes I wonder if he's made of glass. But uh, AJ touched on it. Carter Hart's the way to go here. And if you do see the uh, Flyers goaltending struggling early on or you do see injuries, and I think Car- Carter Hart is definitely worth a stash or a waiver wire pickup to look to try to get some goaltending value out of uh, – 
again, the other team in Pennsylvania. I'll never call them anything other than that, by the way. There you go. <laughs> AJ, that's got to be music to your ears, too. What about the Philly goaltending from your, your perspective? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And like, like I said, I think it's a, a tricky situation. Uh, those guys are probably... Uh, you know, if you're going to take Elliot, you probably should just take Newverth and, and go full handcuff on these two. Cause I think they're probably going to split time pretty consistently. I don't foresee a situation in which one guy is going to play, you know, 60, 70 games. Um, as far as, you know, stashing another option, uh, if you can't get heart is Anthony Stolarts. It's a player I've liked for a very long time, but he's dealt with, uh, some knee injuries there. And, uh, you know, maybe could get a look as well. Uh, he's a little further along in his development, a little closer to having to, you know, show it uh, now to kind of earn his spot. Uh, so another option. But, yeah, Hart, ops, absolutely the way to go. All right. It's time to talk about that uh, other team in Pennsylvania. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins, AJ. I know you're a big fan. Uh, everybody who listens to the show is a big fan and knows you're a big fan, but there's a lot of unrestricted free agent notes on this team going forward, and I'm going to ask you to comment on that when I run through them. Derek Brassard, Carl Haglin, both pending UFAs at 3 and $4 million respectively. Riley Sheehan, a very nice addition from the Detroit Red Wings. They got a lot of value out of him. I could see him getting a raise over the $2.1 million, I think. The restricted free agent, Jake Gunsell, he's going to hit the jackpot at the end of this season coming off the entry-level deal that he has. Matt Cullen, I know you have a soft spot for him, but at 41 years of age, this is going to be his last go-around, I do believe, in Pittsburgh. Jimmy Hayes and Derek Grant, two UFA additions, uh, pending uh, UFAs who are low-end additions to this offense. On the defensive side of the puck, Justin Schultz is two years away from free agency. So a good situation in the top of the end of the board here. The only uh, pending UFA is Chad Ru- Weedle. I know he's a guy that you have some time for on the defensive side, but he's more of a depth guy. And then in, in the goaltending ranks, Casey DeSmith is coming off a, a UFA, uh, pending UFA situation at the end of this season. So he might be a guy that they'd have to try and lock up unless they go with uh, Jari as the go, a go forward position in terms of the net mining situation. But I think his situation is similar in that regard. So they have some questions long range in the go- net mining circumstance. But let's break down the offense first here before we go too much further and uh, talk about the forward ranks here. High end, Jake Gunsel. I think he's poised for another big year. He had 48 points last year. I think he should do better than that, paired with Sid the Kid. If he starts out there and stays there all year long, they moved him up and down a little bit. I I think I'd like to see him stay put playing with Sid the Kid, and then I could see him getting upwards of 60 points in that mix. Patrick Hornquist, a very smart add-on to the right side of Sidney Crosby, a veteran guy who plays a bit of a nasty game who might cause people to have their heads up around around this forward unit, but he has a lot of offensive skill uh, nearing the 30-goal mark last year as well. A guy who might be moving over to the wing this season is another guy that I think is poised for an uptick, and that's Derek Broussard, because otherwise he's a guy that has played center much of his career, but he'll get a shot, I think, to play with Evgeny Malkin, and uh, do they put Phil Kessel back up with Malkin? Well, our prognostications are that it, that may be the case to load up on the top six and that leaves the the depth rankings in the capable hands of a guy like a Carl Haglin who I really like here Uh, offensively he's a guy who could threaten the 40-50 point mark again as a depth forward that's pretty good numbers and you can say the same for Brian Rust that's pretty good value on the wings in, in terms of a depth part of your draft in my opinion AJ. Yeah, I absolutely agree. As far as the the cap situation goes, uh, Carl Hagelin, I I love everything he brings on the ice, 
But at $4 million, it's, it's not enough. And so uh, if he's looking to get paid a similar amount, I don't see him coming back. Broussard then might be able, they could work something out there. Let's not forget part of Broussard's deal is being, uh, about 40% of it actually is being paid by Vegas this season as part of that trade deal. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Riley Sheehan, a bit of a prove-it moment for him. Uh, they do like everything he offers, uh, and he'll, he's going to get probably that third uh, third center spot uh, with Broussard moving to the wing. Uh, and then uh, you mentioned Matt Cullen, uh, you know, with the, the one more one more go around here. I will say Matt Collin has played two years in Pittsburgh and got to lift the cup at the end of both of them. So it seems in. had to get that in. <laughs> I mean, it seems like we should just call the season now. Matt Collins back in <laughs> Pittsburgh. Time to lift the cup. Um, as far as the forward option goes that you that you broke down, I I liked the signing of Derek Grant. I, I thought he could definitely factor in. I don't see that happening now with uh, Matt Collin coming back. I think Grant will spend the year in the minors. Uh, maybe a, an injury call up here there the one uh slight disagreement i'll have on your lines uh daniel sprong might replace hornquist on, on that top right wing spot uh they've been pairing him up with sid the kid during some of the uh inner squad scrimmages and i think he uh seems to be doing well there you know sid for the last couple of years just seems to really enjoy he does love playing with patrick hornquist by you know by all accounts but he seems to really thrive playing with some of these younger guys as well uh, we've seen Dominic Simone do well up there, Zach Aston Reese. Uh, and so Sprong might get the first look at that top line minutes with Crosby and Gunsel. Well, Matt, you said it before. I think you and I'll use your line. You and I could play with Sid the Kid and we'll get 50 points in the <laughs> NHL. Is there, is there, where's the fantasy value among the forwards that we haven't talked about here? Or you want to double down on what we've said? Well, it's twofold. Again, I said it before, this is the other team that has so much fantasy value and the usual suspects are there. Gunsel's my man crush. I'll admit it. I'm all over <laughs> him. But I love what AJ said because I'm, I'm all about Daniel Sprong. I really think that this is a guy that if he's sitting there and you can draft him, click that button and then watch the rest of your league a month later try to get him from you in a trade. That's the guy that I think that people are going to sleep on. Um, as far as Derek Broussard, I was in a lot of leagues that reward fan, that rewarded fantasy uh, face-off wins, and Derek Broussard was my guy. So now you move him over to the wing, it's going to be interesting to see see what he does. I liked him when he was a Ranger, so I would maybe take a flyer on him. And I've always liked Carl Haglin because of his speed, but uh, but for me, it's it's all about Daniel Sprong and, and Jake Gunsel here on the forwards. What about the blue line, AJ? Yeah, so top pairing is is going to be uh, pretty much the same. Uh, Brian Dumoulin, who won't offer much in terms of fantasy value, five goals last season, which was a career year for him. Uh, he didn't have five goals in his career prior to last season. And so uh, do not take I, – I love him as a player and as a fan, but do not take Brian Dumoulin in your fantasy leagues despite the fact that he's going to pair up uh, with Chris Letang. This is not a situation where Letang uh, provides, you know, Dumoulin with fantasy value. I think of it as like Paul Martin and Brent Burns. Like Martin never offered fantasy value despite playing with one of the best defender, uh, offensively minded defenders in the league. 
from there, you've got Olimata uh, and Justin Schultz. Both these guys can offer something. Uh, Schultz came down a little bit last season. I think that season's going to be more of an anomaly uh, than the rule. So I expect him to be a little more consistent uh, with his, you know, 17, 18 numbers than his big uh, 51-point uh, year uh, campaign the year before. And then the last pairing is going to be Jamie Oleksiak and Jack Johnson. Uh, a lot of people in Pittsburgh uh, wringing their hands about the, the length and amount of money that they gave Jack Johnson, but I definitely think he's worth it. Uh, I expect uh, an uptick from him. He's not the most offensively gifted player, uh, but only 11 points last year. I would expect him to be back up over 20 uh, and could push. You know, he had uh, his career high was way back in 2010. He had 42. He had 40 in 2014. Uh, could challenge for that. I'm not expecting it. I think it'll be in the mid to high 20s, but uh, that's great uh, value for a guy that's playing on the third line. And you mentioned Chad Ruedel. He'll come in when there's injuries, but outside of that, uh, Ruedel's not going to see a lot of action. That uh, top six grouping is pretty much set. Uh, none of those guys you really have to worry about not playing as far as you know getting bumped out of the lineup uh, for, for somebody else. If they're healthy, those six are all in there. Now, I, I got to swing it to Matt in a sec, but I got to say, this is the part of this team that excites me this year, AJ, because in the past, it's all been, it's been all about the forwards and then, you know, a six pack of defensemen, almost no name brand outside of Chris Letang. But over the last couple of years, they've added Schultz. They, they've seen a bit of a development in Ole Matta and Jack Johnson. That's four pretty viable options in terms of the fantasy game, isn't it, Matt? Absolutely. I, I think the question on most Penguins fans' minds are going to be the health of Chris Letang. Uh, that's a big one. He scares me if I'm a, an owner of Chris Letang. Uh, moving moving down, I love the pairing of Mata and Schultz, and I would take them both and would not mind having them on my fantasy team. As far as Jack Johnson goes, yeah, five years is a long time, and I think the last time he was relevant, he was skating next to James Wisniewski, and Jamie Alexiak <laughs> is no James Wisniewski. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting, but uh, Schultz and Mata, for me, are the guys that I'm uh, – looking at here for penguins on the defense and also Latang provided he stays healthy and then in the nets we have a situation with matt murray he's going to be expected to carry the flag again he emerged uh, with a pretty solid workload last year i think that I'd they'd like to see him stay a little healthier than he's been in the past and not put pressure on the, the likes of to smith and jerry those though those are two pretty good guys to have waiting in the wings aren't they matt yeah, and I think AJ will agree. As Matt Murray goes, so go the Pittsburgh Penguins. So there's there's a heavy load on his shoulders. I had a little, I had some shares in Jari last year when uh, when Murray was faltering or went down. But again, I think if Murray suffers, it's going to be a long season in Pittsburgh. What do you say, AJ? Uh, I, I tend to agree. Um, the only caveat I'll put there is that, uh, you know, when giving up four or more uh, goals, Matt Murray actually walked away with eight wins last season, uh, 20, 20 games in which he gave up four more goals eight wins, nine losses, two overtime losses. So uh, that's a pretty nice uh, kind of back pocket offense uh, saving that you can get uh, from from your teammates there. And so uh, I think health is the biggest question. Uh, if if he can play more 
than the 49 games he's played the last two seasons in both cases due to injuries. Uh, I think you would see him probably up there at the 60, 65 mark with a lot of other netminders. Um, I think Jari's probably going to win out here. Uh, and I, in this case, I'm going to let the contract kind of do the talking here. Uh, you look at Jari's deal this season, it's a two-way next year it kicks into a one-way deal and so they may hedge a little and decide to keep him in the minors to let him develop let casey DeSmith uh kind of handle the backup role and let murray play 65 games uh something he hasn't done before so uh i i generally agree that if if murray struggles it, it could be a rough season but at the same time uh to be able to eke out eight wins when giving up four more uh four goals or more is pretty impressive all right, it's time to talk about the reigning, defending <laughs> Stanley Cup champions, and it's not the Pittsburgh Penguins, AJ. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Not yet. I like it, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Washington Capitals. Give us the snapshot on the salary cap there, buddy. Yeah, so this is a team uh, that's you know pretty pretty hard up against the cap. Um, just one million in space right now. Um, so there'll be some question marks heading into next season. Uh, you've got, you know, based on how contracts have gone, you've got Ovechkin coming in at a relative steal at nine and a half million dollars. Uh, you know, you look at Tavares's deal, McDavid, uh, even Kane and Taves are making more than that. And so, uh, really it's, it's kind of a discount deal. He's got two more years on it after this. Evgeny Kuznetsov signed long-term, uh, your question mark, uh, are, uh, Andre Burkowski, He's making $3 million, going to be an RFA next year. Jakob Vrana, kind of a, a depth option that I think can develop. He, another guy that's going to be an RFA. Uh, and then from there, it's it's a lot of the same. You know, Brett Connolly, Devontae Smith-Pelly, uh, Chandler Stevenson, uh, Nathan Walker, all in that free agent uh, list next season. So not a ton of uh, guys that you really uh, would be too broken up about if they walked uh, defensively. They get Brooks Orpik back after the, the trade and buyout there for just a million dollars. Probably going to be his last go around. Uh, we'll obviously see there. Um, but everybody else on this blue line locked up for, for at least three years. Everybody else is going to make an impact. Carlson, Niskanen, uh, Orlov, and Kempney. Uh, Christian Jews, the one RFA that maybe uh, they'll want to see what they can do next season in the goals. Uh, the biggest question heading into next year is when they re-sign Braden Holpe. Uh, he'll get $6.1 million this year and next. And then heading for free agency, I would expect that this team will start uh, trying to get a deal one deal done with him on July 1 next year and get a long-term extension uh, done from there. You know, in the salary cap era, Matt, I'm going to put a question to you. You can't afford to make a mistake in terms of setting a contract with a player. And I know Tom Wilson has had a nice playoff run the last couple of seasons but five plus million dollars for that guy i think that the, that's something they're going to rue the day they they signed that deal what do you think yeah it, it's an albatross it really is and, and he hasn't produced to to the numbers that they paid him but again, they won the cup. So who are we to say? But I agree with you that that's that's a lot of money that could be used elsewhere, especially when they're so uh, close under the cap there. And let's take a look at the forward ranks. Uh, apart from Wilson, who figures to start the season again on that top line with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. Kuznetsov, I guess, has won the gig to, to play with Ovechkin. He got more of the ice time with Ovi last year than Backstrom did. That was a long-time pairing that, that uh, juiced Backstrom's values. But 
make no mistake, the veteran pivot is still a star player. And even without uh, Alex Ovechkin on his wing, this guy is going to threaten a point of game status. He's done so his whole career, whether he's been with Ovi or not the last couple of seasons. There's not been a downtick. I don't expect that to have change in any case. TJ Oshie on the right wing, he's found a place uh, there in the top six. And regardless of who he plays with, he's going to threaten a 50-point mark again. Jakob Vrana is the guy I think you could put the arrow going up on the left side of that second line. He had 27 points in 73 games. I think he's going to be able to do much better than that with a regular role among the top six players. The guy that loses out on that is Andre Burakovsky, who had fit, uh, fits and starts the last two years in that role and uh, is production really tailed off last season 25 points Lars Elder had a nice playoff and uh, slots in is one of the better th- third centers in the league he's not going any higher than that with the two in front of him and then beyond that Nick Dowd is a uh, uh, depth option that they brought in but the guy that might be the dark horse here is Su- Sergei Shumakov brought in from the KHL he has a scoring pedigree too 37 points in four th- 47 games in the KHL and plus 28. That means this guy was on a pretty good line, pretty good team, but he made it that way because he was the leader of that squad in the KHL. And I think he's a guy who could threaten top six minutes if Rana falters, uh, though I don't think he will. Matt, your comments on this forward mix. Yeah, you stole my thunder there. I like Shumakov very, very much, and I do think uh, he's not someone you draft, but he is someone that you go right out and pick up on the waiver wire the minute your draft board closes and you look at what everyone's done. Uh, Kuznetsov, you could pencil him in for 30 goals. I do like Verana as well. Uh, 20 goals, maybe, he says with a question mark. <laughs> uh, but, but other than that, this is essentially the same exact team save for the coaches it's Todd Reardon's job now and is there a cup hangover what's Ovi's motivation these are the things that I'm thinking about if Ovechkin is sitting there and it's my turn to draft and there are some other options there maybe you don't draft Ovechkin is he going to put up 50 goals does he have the motivation to do it that's my question is he over his hangover? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? He might still be swimming in the pond. That's it. AJ, your thoughts on the forward ranks here? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest factor uh, as far as Ovechkin goes is, is whether or not your league uh, awards hits. Uh, if it does, you almost have to still consider taking him first overall. Uh, he is going to hit. In, in ways that McDavid and Crosby will not. Uh, and so that really ticks up his value. Now that, that number came down a little bit last year, just 139. Uh, the four seasons prior, he had over 200 hits, uh, in, you know, in a, in a year. So I do think that has to be a factor. You, you obviously need to know uh, your league rules before going in and take that into consideration. So uh, that is the one kind of caveat that I would throw uh, I, I, I get what Matt's saying and, and definitely would uh, would consider other options. But I still think Ovechkin overall is going to be, you know, a, a first round pick. And, and maybe especially if it's a, a hit value league may have to look at him as number one overall still. What about the blue line? Yeah. So defensively, uh, a similar situation to what we outlined in Pittsburgh for the for the top end here. You're going to have Michael Kempney playing with John Carlson. Uh, Kempney a little bit more of a, an impactful uh, defenseman than Brian Dumoulin, but still this is a guy that would struggle uh, to get 
to to really uh, you know even maybe ten points, uh, fifteen for sure is probably a reach for him. So I don't really uh, see a lot coming from him. Dmitry Orlov and Matt Niskanen will round out your second group. These are twenty to thirty point guys. Uh, again, kind of that mid range value. Brooks Orpic not a fantasy guy at all. Uh, avoid him uh, unless you really need like hits, maybe uh, not even a big like penalty minute guy. Uh, shots won't really factor blocks and hits. That's really what you're looking for for him. I mean, this guy hasn't scored a goal since 2015, uh, 16. So uh, and Jews and Madison Bowie, I, my concern with either one of them is that I think they're going to essentially split duties here for that, that extra spot. So I don't think either one's going to play 82 games this year uh, or even 70 for that matter. And so uh, it shies me away. So really I'm looking at Carlson Niskanen, maybe Orlov as well. Uh, Niskanen's got that rocket of a shot and he'll factor in on the power play. Yeah, Matt, Niskanen is a guy that uh, I have some time for in terms of depth pick in defense to round out your squad. I start to look at a guy on a quality team and who will get about 30 to 40 points. That's Niskanen's profile. And he'll get power play minutes here too, Matthew. So I, I think there's some value there. Uh, failing that, if he falters, Christian Jews is the other guy that I'm looking at here. What are your thoughts on the blue line as far as the fantasy value is? I, I don't shop in Washington for fantasy value on defense. I, I, unless I'm in a plus minus league, then some of the guys are attractive. Uh, outside of John Carlson, maybe. I mean, you can tell by the tone of my voice, no one here is is wetting my appetite. So I'll I'll pass on on all of them and and look for my fantasy value again. I know this isn't the topic today, but out west is where you're going to get your defensive fantasy value, not in Washington. All right, uh, and in the net mining cir- circumstance, Braden Holtby was limited to 54 games in the regular season last season, and it served him well in the playoffs. This is something that I've touched on in the previous shows, Matt, uh, in terms of the goalie waiting here. You want a guy that's going to play a lot in the regular season. Maybe Braden Holtby won't be your guy uh, if they hold him to that, that standard. There's other guys that are going to play 60-plus games. Does that kind of limit his uh, value in terms of fantasy goaltending here, in your opinion? Yes, it can. But uh, again, most people are going to see Braden Holpe's name on their draft board and they're going to click. Uh, I'm interested to see how the departure of Mitch Korn, the goalie coach, uh, he, he went to, to Long Island with, with Barry Trotz, how that affects not so much Holpe, but the guys behind him. I'm really high on this Ilya Samsonov. Yeah. I, I know Copley is, is uh, slated to be the number two, but if Holpe does have a, a lesser workload, Again, I'm big on these Russian goaltenders, these Russian guys. You've got uh, Shumakov up there, Ovechkin. I, I like that type of uh, concept. So, yeah, if Hopi doesn't get the workload, I'm skipping Copley and, and looking at Samsonov. AJ? Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. The only thing I would see is Copley or even Samsonov, you know, he's he, – a development guy right now. I don't think he's ready for, for, you know, prime time. And so these guys are not Philip Grubauer. Uh, and that was the circumstance they had last year. They had the benefit of giving Holpe more rest because they knew Grubauer uh, could come out and perform well for them. I'm not as high on Copley or, or right now, Samsonov. Uh, and so I, I actually would expect, uh, the workload for, for Holpley to creep back up into the sixties, just because they don't have, uh, the, the, the security behind him. 
All right, boys, it's time to put our thoughts to uh, paper and commit to the whole season here in terms of how we see things shaking up in this group in terms of the final standings. Matt, you're the new guy on board. I'm going to defer to you <laughs> and have you give first crack at the order of the final standings in the Metro Division. All right, I'm going to go 8-1. to one. Uh, It pains me to say, but I do have the New York Rangers finishing last in this uh, division. Uh, Coming in seventh, I have the Devils, six, the Islanders, five, Carolina, hoping that this young kid in the defense can carry them. Four is Philadelphia. And then three, two, and one are Columbus, Washington, and Pittsburgh, as AJ smiles. (laughs) I love the dramatic pause there. I love it. AJ I know who you're picking number one, but go through the exercise for us, will you? you? (laughs) Well, Matt's welcome back anytime. Uh, (laughs) So uh, for me, uh, I kind of alluded this. I'll I'll, I'll embrace the the eight to one here. So kind of alluded to this. I don't think the Rangers are going to be quite as bad. I think the Islanders uh, have question marks everywhere in their roster. uh, And so I think they'll come in at eighth. Uh, Carolina needs more time. I think they've got some young Uh, young options. But as I said, their center depth really isn't there. So I put them at seven Rangers coming in at six, not a playoff team, but just not nearly as bad uh, as everybody thinks they might be the Rangers or or rather the the devils I have at five. I I think they're trending in the right direction. They've got solid net minding in Schneider or uh, Kincaid. If, if Schneider's not healthy, I've got the flyers coming in at four. Uh, I've got Washington down in third. Uh, I think a little bit of a drop off, uh, as you as you said, the the Stanley Cup, uh, you know, uh, hangover there. Columbus is a really well-rounded uh, kind of stacked team. They've got it in all three aspects of the game. Now, granted, if we get done with the pod and they've traded uh, Bobrovsky to another team by the time uh, <laughs> we're done with this. They're the worst team in the league. If Bobrovsky is not the goaltender here, they're number eight, in my opinion. Uh, And then, of course, I've got Pittsburgh at the top. And uh, I'll go through my top eight here, and uh, I'll do it in in reverse order, too, just to be consistent. I'm going to agree with Matt. Sorry, bud. But the Rangers are a team in rebuild mode. They're a couple of years away from competing. Maybe they're going to be in the uh, lottery for the the lose for Hughes kind of competition that's going to go on this season. (laughs) Carolina Hurricanes will threaten them, though, at the bottom part of the standings. Then there'll be an uptick to a pair of teams that will battle for fifth and sixth. New Jersey in fifth and Islanders in sixth, I have them. Then Philadelphia probably could possibly threaten for a wild card spot, but I agree with you guys. It'll be Columbus, Washington, and Pittsburgh in reverse order. I've got Columbus third, Washington second, and making it unanimous. I like the Pittsburgh defense to give them the edge over Washington, and that's why I give them the uh, Metro Division crown. So, uh, Matt, uh, I'll, I'll give you a chance to to have your final comments on the, this division preview. We've had a blast having you on today's show. Oh, thank you so much. I fooled you long enough. Yay. Uh, I had a a great time. I do think that there is some fantasy value in this division and and we broke it down again. I I think that there's far more value in other divisions. Uh, Two things I wanted to ask AJ, you mentioned Jan Kovar, but you also mentioned there was a sleeper on Carolina that, that fans should draft. Who was that? Uh, uh, Svechnikov, maybe I'm trying to think back now. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe we can uh, we, you can hit me up on Twitter and let me know because I, I love I love sleepers 
And the other thing is, I know that uh, you and, and Brunzi over there like to make wagers. Is there any kind of bet you want to do? Oh, with the man, the you're, you're, reading, you're reading my mind because we're going <laughs> to tease that next week. The dollar bet is coming, the third annual one. We're one and one now after last season. And I have the dollar with me here on my desk here as inspiration. I'll tease it. I'll tell you what it is right now, AJ. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Pittsburgh, Toronto, my top two centers against your top two centers. Which, which team is going to have the most points? Of course, I'm betting on Matthews and the new guy, Johnny T. Yikes. I, I, I'm going to have to think about that for next week because I'm not so, so sure I wouldn't bet on Matthews and John Tavares <laughs> as well, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but we can definitely uh, debate that. Uh, you know, Matt, I think uh, if, if you're willing, I'll, I'll put it close to home for you. Uh, I know you and Paul both had the Rangers as, as dead last year. I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I think the Rangers uh, don't finish last in the division. Uh, and so I, I, I'll put down a, a uh, you know, throw down the gauntlet on that one. Rangers not last in the division. I'll, I'll even say, you know, maybe seventh is a push. Uh, six or higher is a win for me. Eighth, uh, eighth for you. What do you think? Oh, you're crafty. I'm not going to be able to walk down the streets of my neighborhood if I'm rooting <laughs> for the Rangers to finish in eighth. I think this is something we'll have to discuss uh, up on Twitter, but uh, we'll come up with something, maybe something with uh, Bushkevich and Sprong or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I definitely there's some potential there. Let's uh, yeah, we'll throw it out on Twitter, see what we can land on. All right, okay. guys. Well, that wraps up this episode of podcast with Statsman and AJ. We want to thank Matthew K for joining us today. And you'll be hearing from him periodically throughout the season. We hope he's an awesome follow at Matt underscore striker underscore. And I hope we got some wrestling fans that jump on board to this podcast. I'm a big fan of the wrestling theme scene as well. Also, remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We certainly hope you enjoyed this show. And keep an eye out for the Atlantic Division preview next Tuesday. As always, we invite you to listen in to PuckCast to get your tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 